Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe. I'm a pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that you have joined us. We were talking just then before we came on the uh, Zoom is the, about prayer. Pray for Afghanistan. Pray for our brothers and sisters. There are many Christians I believe are still over there from what they're saying. We need to cover not just the Christians. We need to cover the whole place and ask God to cover the, the, that Afghanistan with the blood of Jesus and that Jesus would be revealed to people in a magnificent, miracle-working way. I believe that as we pray here in this country, we have our freedom, and we need to obviously never take that for granted. And we see that. Pray for Afghanistan. Pray for your neighbors who are not in the church house today. The church is important. And teaching, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to have faith and believe him. And no matter what, I believe there are perilous times ahead. I believe that we will face some, obviously, some real challenges ahead. But I believe that we can overcome those as we trust in the Lord and trust in his power in our lives. So pray and continue on. We are glad you've joined us today. We are continuing in the series of uh, Fruit of the Spirit. Well, I love this series, okay? And you say, yeah, but Jim, you're the preacher. You should love it, okay? I know, I know, but I'm hoping that I can communicate to you, obviously, the best I can, and God's Spirit can apply it to your hearts. But this has been so good. I tell you what, when I started te- preaching on uh, the walking in the Spirit, and it says you won't gratify the lust of the flesh, man, everything started coming against me. I'm going to tell you, the enemy does not like this. And I said, how do you walk in the spirit? You obviously say, I can't. So what do you do? You ask the Holy Spirit to give you the enablement. And then you work with all diligence. So you know it's not you working, that it's actually God's spirit working through you. And then you give him praise. That's why we can praise God. The Bible says, and Paul says, that give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The reason we can do that is because we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. We know that we can obviously go through this. When we stumble and fall, we don't stay down. We confess it, repent, and we get back up again and get back in it because the devil will tell you to stay down. Don't you know you just you just did that? You did it again. And whatever it may be. But God is saying today, Jesus paid. He took the sins of the world upon us. I was talking about in Sunday school this morning. In fact, people say, well, why did Jesus come? And many people will say, well, he came to give us eternal life. Yes, he did. But primarily, he came to take your sins away from you. Because without your sins being delivered from your sins, being forgiven of your sins, you'll never, ever come into the presence of his Holy Father, our Holy Father. You never will. And so he took our sins that we would know, yes, eternal life, but most of all, the forgiveness of sin. Do you know that today? Do you know Jesus in that manner? And so I want to ask you, as we go through this today, if God convicts you that you have never really received Christ, I'm not talking about listening to a sermon or a pastor, good pastors all over the YouTubes. I love it. And I have a lot of pastor friends and and all that. But I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today may be that day that God says, Bow your heart and ask Jesus. Believe him and commit your life to him. When this thing starts up and revival starts and things start happening all over, you want to be a part of it. It's going to be obviously very convicting. But it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be very intense. But it's going to be, obviously, I believe, so great in changing people's lives. And yes, I want to see people come into the kingdom of God. Most of all, I love that. I love people's lives being changed as a pastor. I see that. But most of all, 
we want to obviously come before the Lord with pure hearts and clean hands. Amen. That's who may ascend the holy hill of God. Those who have clean hearts and clean hands. Amen. I want to be clean. Don't you I want to be clean? Everything gone. If it's apathy or if it's some type of just sort of lethargy, you lean back and say, well, I don't have the passion for Jesus like I used to. OK, let's go on. Let's get that back. And it starts by putting your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have the passion like I used to, but I want to have that passion. I want to burn with a holy desire for you. That begins if you offer him your heart and life. He'll do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. We thank you for your truth. And we ask you to speak now and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. Touch us. Change our hearts, oh God. We need you desperately. And so speak, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, we talked about these things and everybody wants joy, everybody wants love, everybody wants peace, but when we got to patience, I'm going to tell you, I just felt... Like, for example, there was resistance here. You know, it was all of a sudden it was like, whoa, you know, Jim's not going to talk about patience because all of us are saying, you know, I never pray for patience because I know if God does that, then he's going to have to do something in my life that calls me, obviously, to be patient. And I don't want that. And I made the statement. I said, OK, I said, even if you don't pray for patience, if you're a Christian, he's going to work that in your heart. Amen. But the fruit of the spirit actually will obviously manifest in these particular ways. Love and joy and peace and goodness and self-control and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness. We talked about faithfulness last night or last week. And we talked about it in terms of uh, the fact that are you faithful? Did you start something that you obviously wanted to start? and You didn't finish it. Are you a procrastinator? You say, I'm going to do this. You never get around to doing it for whatever reason. Do you start something and then never, are you never faithful? Are you faithful and obviously following what God has told you to do? You're faithful about the body of Christ, faithful about obviously your tithes and offerings and so forth. Are you faithful with your family? Does your word really mean something? Don't you know, I was raised right there at the edge of the, of the generation that actually said that a man's handshake was obviously his bond. Well, we don't have that anymore. You can shake somebody's hand. They can look you right straight in the eye and never intend on fulfilling what they're telling you they want, they're going to. You take, obviously, a contract that sometimes they're thick as a book, big book. Contracts and every stipulation. Why? It's because a man's word is no longer his bond. When you say something, people believe that's what I would do. That's the way, the old-timey way that I believe we need to get back to in our society and culture. And so it is actually faithfulness is faithfulness. God is faithful to you. Do you know the Bible says when you're faithless without faith, he's faithful. He doesn't change. And so faithfulness is very important. That was the last thing we talked about last week. The wonderful thing about that is, is God will work that in your heart if you want him to. If you want to just say, Lord, I can't do this because most of what actually all of what happens in the in the life of a Christian is surrender. I can't, Lord, but you can. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, but I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who gave himself for me and who loved me and gave himself for me. OK, 
And so it's the life of Jesus in us. Isn't that good news? You can do that if you yield yourself to him. You know, I offer my body to him as a, as a, spirit, as a, a sacrifice, a spiritual act of worship. Holy and pleasing unto the Lord. And that offering your body means you offer your whole total being to him. From the beginning to the end, I just give you my life. That's about total surrender. And that's when the power of God, he can use you in the way that he desires. Today, we're going to talk about meekness. Meekness. Everybody here knows what meekness means as far as the world is concerned, isn't it? You say you're somebody's weak. What does that normally bring to mind? It brings you the mind you're like you're weak, right? Like your meekness, it means you're weak. But uh, biblically, it does not mean that you're weak, actually. It means actually it's strength under control. It's strength under control. Picture a horse. I was raised on a farm. And I was raised around a lot of livestock. Horses and, and donkeys and pigs and sheep, cattle, uh, all types of things. I mean, when I came home after working there on the farm, I was a smelling mess, trust me. My mother and father said, go in there and get this. Get, go in there and take a shower, please, okay? But I worked around those. And so my uncle would bring in uh, truckloads of horses. And sometimes they would be what's called quarter horses. Everybody, anybody here know what a quarter horse is? You see them. A quarter horse actually has been, been disciplined and trained. It's actually a breed of horse that's fast, really fast, in the quarter mile. That's why they call them quarter horses. So my cousin and I, we would ride the donkeys and the mules and everything like that. We'd put a bridle on them or a halter on them or whatever. But this particular horse was, they said, watch out because he's a very fast quarter horse. And I said, well, you know, we can ride him. And so I, I put the halter on him and, and so forth, put the bit in his mouth and so forth and, and got on, but no saddle. And we, me and my cousin, we rode all the way back to the back pasture in the very back back there. No problem. It was very, it's fun. We had a lot of fun riding the horses and all. But what I didn't know was there was a group of horses without anybody on them because there were horses all over. And they took off towards the barn. And this horse that I was on, when that happens, many times other horses will join that group of horses. And so he took off flying. Well, I didn't have a saddle on, so I'm having to obviously, with my legs, hold on. And I was pulling back on the bit to try to stop the horse, and he wasn't paying any attention to that at all. And I said, something's not working here. And I'm flying, and he's jumping ditches and everything. And I'm going, if I fall now, I could hurt myself bad. And he went all the way to the barn, and thank by the grace of God, I stayed on his back. But when he stopped, I obviously went right straight up on his neck because he stopped all of a sudden. And I thought, why is this? Because I put a particular type of bit in his mouth that's called a hack bit that actually will stop the horse because what happens is the chain underneath the jaw of the horse in its mouth, you pull back on it, and it tightens that chain and that horse will back up. But unbeknownst to me, I didn't tighten that chain enough. So it was loose. So it was making no difference to that quarter horse. I mean, that was a fast quarter horse, okay? So I saw the strength of a horse. I saw that strength. And you see, in our lives, we have the strength of a horse in our lives. But it's like a bridle on it. We know how to control that strength in our lives because of being meek. And that working of the Spirit there, the Holy Spirit, to work that fruit, we have strength, but we have strength under restraint. We don't exhibit that to blast everybody away and say, hey, I have the Holy Spirit, I have, and I can do this and that. No, 
It is actually under control. It's strength in your life. You have the power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power. Resurrection power is talked about in our lives that raised Christ from the dead. And yet, it's under control. We know how to use that. We don't go in and just blow everybody away. We obviously are meek in that. We have that down deep. But we treat people in that particular way that's very important. Because obviously, not only is this in a person's outward behavior, but obviously, it's in relation to his fellow men. Robbie's the inwrought grace that works in our lives. Because that, we have that in our lives. There's something about a person who's meek. Remember, Moses was a meek man, remember? In fact, the Bible says that Moses was actually the meekest man that's ever been around. Do you think Moses was a weak person? Not at all. He led several million people out of bondage there. He was obviously hesitant, and he had obviously qualms about it. But at the same time, he was used of the Lord in that manner. We need that fruit of the Spirit, which is meekness. Let me tell you what it is if you really want to know about it. What it is, real simply, is humility. It's humility. It is not confidence in ourselves. It's confidence in God who resides within us through His Spirit. That's the confidence I have. So what does that mean? You remember, I always wondered, when Jesus was being accused by His accusers, remember, He stood there and He took it. Remember, they sped on him. They actually hit him with their fists. I mean, he was beat to a pulp. And yet he did not return that with with anger or retaliation or revenge. Remember that? Even when he was hanging on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That's a meekness there. He never spoke against them. Why? It's because he was confident in his heavenly father that knew that the plan of God was being worked out, that he didn't have the fight for his own rights. He could be humble. He could be meek. And he could obviously trust that his father was going to work it all out. It's the same with us. Do you believe in your life today that you're in the circumstances because because of some type of, well, just off-the-cuff things that have happened and so forth by coincidences? No, no. Now I'm saying, I'm not saying there's not spiritual warfare. I'm not saying that the enemy is, is obviously put something on you and you need to pray against. I'm not saying that at all. But do you do think God doesn't know about it? That maybe God has kind of turned his back to a point to where he's walked away and he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's wringing his hands in heaven, wondering what he's going to do with Jim or put your name in the blank. He knows. So where does my confidence come from when I hit adversity in life? It comes through humility, confidence in God's power working. So I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to stand up brashly or or some kind of arrogantly. I know my God and he's got a plan. You've heard that all your Christian life, that God's got a plan for you. Yes, he does. But do you believe that truly when you get in adversity, that somehow maybe God has said he's kind of chucked the plan? No. Humility, meekness, they all go together. So that's what we're talking about here today. When you think about it, actually, meekness is obviously a tempered spirit in which we accept God's dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. Maybe you know somebody today that's mad at God. 
because things did not turn out the way that they thought they would. Maybe somehow you think that that man, this is a, something has happened and, and you know it's because I've been bad or maybe I didn't please God or whatever, all these types. And God's up there with a big stick getting ready to hit me. He's not that type of God. He's always working on our behalf. But we have to believe it. And we have to realize when there are disappointments in life, anybody in here have experienced any disappointments? <laughs> oh, yes. All right. All right. Now we're getting where the rubber hits the road, right? You're talking about disappointments. Now I know what you're saying, Jim. I know what you're saying. Disappointments? Yes. Have you ever had things that obviously you knew life should be a certain way and then you got there and it wasn't anything like what you thought it would be? Oh, yeah. Sure have. Meekness is actually knowing that God is in control. Meekness is knowing that our God has the best in mind for you and me. You see, I'm a child of God. If you're saved here today, you're a child of God. Do you know you always want the best for your children? No matter how much they, they frustrate you or maybe how much disobedience they have or nobody, you never stop loving them, do you? You never do. Sometimes you think, golly day, they're not doing what I know is best and they're getting ready to run off the cliff and so forth. And yes, you warn them and you warn them and then they run off the cliff and so forth. What do you do? You still love them. Isn't that true for us in our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Abba Father, Romans chapter 8. Actually means daddy God. He's a daddy to us. It's real intimate. And so certainly here, that meekness is believing that God is that way. The problem is, is that we think God is a different nature, character, because he obviously getting ready to judge me. He's getting ready. If you're obviously in Christ, he obviously won't. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. But sometimes we get it all mixed up because you know why? It's because a lot of times is that we feel that God exists to make us happy. How many of you believe that? That God exists to make us happy. He's not a doesn't. He obviously wants to make us holy. Now, happiness is there, and I like that, and there are times when I feel that, but sometimes when obviously things are not going my way, and I'm going, Lord, I don't see any purpose in that. Do I really believe that God is involved, that He's working something out in my life? Yeah, He wants us to be obviously happy in that sense. Yes, but ultimately he wants us to be holy. And the only way that we can be holy is allowing certain things in our lives that rub us the wrong way sometimes. But if we will submit to him and we will obviously realize that that is actually a character trait, meekness. It means we accept what God's dealings are in our lives. Some people hit one thing after the other and it appears to be, you see, because it's real easy if you only have a bad time here and there and the next year you kind of run into some rough water and so forth. But if it happens one after the other, that's when we say, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. But you see, meekness means you allow God to deal with you. You accept that in what he's doing. The Bible says in Hebrews that if he doesn't discipline us, then we're not his children. Yeah, he disciplines and it, he disciplines all of us. And he disciplines us in such, in such a way not to destroy us or to really just, to, to just annihilate us. He does it to build us up, to make us holy because he's holy. And we don't like it sometimes. And that is the issue, see. A meek person is one who has allowed the Holy Spirit to enable him to accept God's dealings with him as good. A.W. Tozer, which is an old theologian that I've always read many of his books over the years. I think late 1800s is when he lived. And he says this. 
He says, true spirituality manifests itself in the desire to be holy rather than be happy. The issue is that obviously we want to be happy. I got to be happy. And when this happens, I'm not happy. You see, happiness is just surface deep. Joy is something down deep in your heart that we talked about earlier. The spiritual man wants to carry his cross. Many Christians accept adversity or tribulation with a, a sigh and call it their cross. Forgetting that such things come alike to Satan's sinner. Everybody faces trials and tribulations, don't they? The cross is that extra adversity that comes to us as a result of our obedience to Christ. This cross is not forced on us. We voluntarily take it up with full knowledge of its consequences. We know when we follow Jesus, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus or do you want to stand on the peripheral? Because on the peripheral actually is where the enemy, he'll tear you up. You got to get close to Jesus. There's no way. The Bible says in John chapter 15 that we abide and abide in Christ. In other words, to draw close to him. And he obviously is the vine and we're the branches. We draw strength from him. We draw everything from him, whatever it may be. We must draw close to him. We choose to obey Christ and by so doing, choose to carry the cross here. You know, um, obviously, a lot of people would say, I just want to be kind of known in this world. I just want to obviously know, go leave this world and people say good things about me. And I've always said, if you uh, if you pass the day, what would the preacher say at your funeral? OK, everybody says, I hope he says some good things. Okay. But you see, today, people who are really used of the Lord, obviously, are not in that camp here, that those people would rather be be useful than famous and rather serve than be served. And obviously, this has got to be the operation of the Holy Spirit. There's a song out, contemporary Christian song. I encourage you to, to listen to it. It's Casting Crowns, and it's the title of it is Only Jesus. I don't care to leave a legacy. All I want is only Jesus. Just talk about Jesus at my funeral. All I want is to talk about Jesus. I don't care about anything that I've done. Certainly here. I want to work and serve the Lord. But talk about Jesus. I had a service yesterday about that and and uh, they had was in a home and I was sharing with them and sharing the word. And this person had passed and had really gone through a lot of adversity in in her life. And at the end, one of the sisters said something that struck me because her family, her whole family was there. And she said one thing, she said, when I get ready, when I die and at my funeral, all I want you to do is talk about Jesus. You want that? You see, that's a meek person. Because an arrogant person says, hey, look at what I've done. I've done services where obviously people would put things in the casket. Nothing wrong with that. It's part of the grieving process and leave notes there as if the person somehow will come awake and read the note from their loved one when they're in the ground and so forth like that. It's over with at that point unless that person has Jesus and they went into the presence of Jesus Christ. Our life here counts, folks. And it counts that we walk in the fruit of the spirit, walk in the spirit. That these things be manifested. So we obviously will look different than the world. Is humility. Humility is so important. Paul says in Thessalonians. Rejoice 
in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in Philippians, excuse me, Philippians. And Paul says that obviously the reason we can rejoice is because we know we have a heavenly father that is for us and not against us. Romans chapter eight. He never works, obviously, against us. He's always working on our behalf. And you know that old song, Waymaker, that's out. Michael W. Smith sings it and other ones. Leland, I believe. But it says that he's always working it out, even when I don't feel it. He's always working, even when I don't see it. Do you believe that? He's working today. He's a promise maker. Promise keeper. Miracle worker. Light in the darkness. That's who he is, you see. We got to realize that and understand and walk in that person who accepts the hard times as well as the good times because they're they come at different times. Is someone that is meek. The second thing here is obviously um, described negatively. Meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It is obviously neither elated or cast down simply because it can't be occupied with itself. Can never be preoccupied with itself. It always considers other people better than themselves. Remember what Philippians chapter 2 says about Jesus? Even Jesus said, he laid his life down considering others better than himself. You remember, I always, y'all remember, you know, obviously the Pharisees would also always tell Jesus, teacher, you're, you're real, you're good, remember? And remember what Jesus, how he replied? He said, no one's good, my father. He always pointed to the father. Even Jesus, the son of God said that. You see, obviously, meekness is like that because obviously many times we promote ourselves to other people. And why? It's because we have insecurities and we, don't, we, lack self, we think we have self-confidence. We don't have confidence in God. Let me give you a good example. When you're talking to somebody, how many of you realize sometimes that when you're talking to somebody and you're not connecting, they're not listening to a word that you're saying? They're basically trying to plot what they're going to say in response to you. So instead of listening to what you're saying, which some most people are in need of people listening to them, that's a ministry in itself. Is that they're thinking about, what can I say about myself? About what I've done? About somehow I'm going to solve your problem because I know what you're going through. And that person is saying, that's not what I want at all. I just want somebody to listen to me. I just want somebody to, to connect with me and empathize with me and, and have that relationship. That's about relationship, not about relationship. To have you obviously people tell you these things and then just sort of brush it off because they'll never remember what you say. It's because they're thinking about themselves. You see, meekness is the opposite of that. It's humility. And so we live in the age of self, don't we? Obviously, we got self-help books. We've got articles, we've got media, and it actually is a worship of self. Our culture is immersed in that culture, you see. We talk of self-image, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-acceptance, self-help, self-recovery, self-worth, and self-actualization here. It spawned what it is. It's self-love and self-justification, self-pity, and self-centeredness, folks. This culture, to live like that, never bring any satisfaction. You won't have life. You'll not walk in the spirit. You'll not live in that manner. Everything's about self. How many of you know that when I was in school, maybe you were also, but when you were in school, actually, is that um, the teachers didn't worry about 
little Johnny's self-esteem. Okay? And I can't obviously do anything or say anything really, uh, you know, like um, negative the little Johnny because it may injure their self, their self, self-esteem. Our culture is permeated with that, right? What did the people that, that when I was raised, what they did was they bring a pass down to the teacher and say, James, you're wanted in the assistant principal's office. And I went into the assistant principal's office and I saw up on his file cabinet a paddle board like this with holes in it. And let me tell you, I didn't want to be in that assistant principal's office for that. They accused me of doing something one time to do that and I had a trip to the assistant principal's office. He didn't go in there and say, Jim, let me talk to you about this. Let me just get this straight. He said a little bit, but then he said, you know what I'm going to do? You bend over my desk and you're going to get a paddling, okay? Now, I know, obviously, that has changed completely. But he didn't exalt self. He basically said, as you need discipline to, keep, to quit doing what you're doing. Change and change in my lifetime. Right? You see... A meek person not hurt by what others say about him because he's just not wrapped up in himself. Why does an insult or a slight hurt, uh, slight word or action hurt us? It's because of pride. It's because when somebody speaks against you, have you ever had anybody speak against you? I have. You know, my first reaction is, is, whoa, whoa. Sometimes it hurts, doesn't it? But you know, until I deal with it, it's pride. It's arrogance. It's I'm better than you are. I know more than you do. Hey, look at me. I'm the pastor. Hey, you know, look at my position. I don't care about positions. It's about relationships. Meekness is living that way. Considering everybody else more obviously better than you yourself. But what happens is self gets in the way. If we die to self, then praise will not puff, puff, puff us up. And it won't bring us down. Criticism won't bring us down. If we live for self, then when somebody, obviously, you know, uh, says, hey, that was great, and you allow it to go to your head, and so forth, then you're not living with that fruit of the Spirit, meekness. But if they criticize you, and hurt you, and wounds, and I'm not saying, obviously, they're not wounds, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, what does it do? Do you say, obviously, hey, you don't bother me. Why? It's because you're secure in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Because you're secure. Your relationship is not based upon other people. And I'm not saying to obviously refute them and we're put into relationships. But my relationship with Jesus Christ is not based upon what people say about me. Good or bad. And that's not that we don't need correction. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But my foundational principle and constitution is not based upon that at all. Meekness is the opposite of seeking a high place among men. It's the opposite of pride and arrogance. And again, Moses in Numbers chapter 12. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men, which was upon the face of the earth. And there were many who had spoken against him. Remember, he had what, several million speaking against him. He had a lot of criticism. There were many who had spoken against him, and, and he, but he didn't retaliate. He was not spineless. However, he was a man 
who could be terribly angered in a righteous way. There is a righteous anger certainly here. Yet he was a man who was humble and submissive to God. Isn't that great? And then Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Can you do that? Look not at every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of man, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that he humbled himself. I told you 35 years ago, 30, 35 years ago, that, that I heard a pastor speak that's always stuck with me. He said in the end time movement as God moves, it should be any time, but certainly in the end time, that that spirit of humility is going to take place. Humility says, Lord, we need you. And humility says that we can't live life without you. And humility says, Lord, we realize how far we've fallen. We don't realize really, but we realize somewhat how far we've slipped away from you and we've compromised. We realize these things and Lord, we bring it to you, confess it to you, oh God. When you came to Jesus Christ, you had to humble yourself and say, I'm a sinner. And if you don't save me, I'm going to go right straight to hell. That's humility. But we've got to humble ourselves, not lack of strength or anything. But it's a deep down recognition and confidence in God Almighty. Okay, self-control. I'll talk you to death here. Just a moment. Self-control. What is it? It's obviously keeping yourself under control. It's patience to bear with other people instead of condemning them or, or, or being frustrated. It takes self-control to be gentle instead of giving vent to your anger and flying off the handle about something. It takes self-control to maintain peace and being willing to be wronged instead of loudly insisting on your rights. Self-control. Somebody hurts you, it all makes, see how it all works together here? All those fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is so important. Can you have it, okay? You see, if you're a Christian, then that's what we want worked in our heart. God is doing that, you see. And then anger with people who have spoken against us. What's happening? Let me just share with you about this. Satan is against us. Okay. I'm not going to give Satan any more due, obviously. I don't want to talk, but I want to share with you because I want you to know his ways. Is he biding his time? He's biding your time until you face difficulties in life to where obviously you get so frustrated that you lose control. He's just watching you and I because he knows every weakness of me and he knows every weakness that you have. And he'll take and put his finger right on that, you see. If we're not working, walking this out in the fruits of the Spirit, then we obviously, he'll put his finger right there. Self-control. He may know you have lacked self-control. That you lack this and that. And he's biding his time and watching you and me and just saying, hey, I know how to push him right to the brink. You ever heard anything? I got right to the brink. Satan watching to pounce. And that's when you lose that self-control. Obviously, we need to obviously trust and humble ourselves. 
I always thought and I told in Sunday school, think about this. He's very persuasive. She's fine. She's fine. I talked about it in Sunday school. Think about how persuasive Satan is. He obviously, he was in the presence of God Almighty in heaven. He was actually the worship leader. Okay. He probably, I mean, he, he was be- he's a beautiful angel, obviously, in that. He was obviously one of the top angels there in uh, the presence of God. And he wanted to take God's place, right? He became obviously proud. Pride. Pride is the root because I think I'm better than you are. You know what happens as far as racial divisions? Is because I think I'm better than you are. I think I'm better than you. You know what happens in that socioeconomic? Someone who doesn't have as much as I do. And sometimes what pride comes in or sometimes racism comes in and, and all of it can come in. It's because I think I'm better than you are. You see how this works. But Satan was in heaven. He was glorifying, praising God. He said, I want to be, I want to be God. And what did he do? He convinced, he's very convincing. He convinced a third of the angels to go with him. That's pretty convincing because there are trillions of angels, you know. There are lots of angels. And he convinced a third of the angels to fall with him. He's pretty convincing. And you think that he's not, obviously can't persuade you? Oh, yes, he can. And if we didn't have the power of God's Spirit, and we're not obviously putting that full armor of God on on a regular basis, and we're not seeking the Lord with all of our hearts, if he's not first place in our life, don't you think he can persuade us? To take that step off that cliff. Yes, he can. And he does that. And he's very successful many times. I regret. We have an ally in this fight. What? God himself. He didn't put us here. Jesus said, I came. You have the victory in Jesus. In Jesus. But in your own strength, you cannot. You cannot control yourself without the power of God's spirit. But he wants to. And he will if you allow him. And so he's working that in our lives. And what does he say? When you have a problem, he says, cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. Remember when they cast their cloaks before Jesus when he came in Jerusalem there riding on a donkey? That same word cast in the Greek is the same one. Cast, cast it, get rid of it. That may mean you call somebody to pray for you. That's casting. It may mean obviously you call up and say, I need prayer because I'm under some horrific spiritual warfare. And I need your help. That's why the church house is here. To help one another, right? We're under the banner of Jesus here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We need to rely upon one another to pray for each one. We obviously, we don't have to walk through life afraid. Resist the devil, the Bible says. And and, uh, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Try it. If he comes against you, tell him to get out in Jesus' name. Take authority over him. You have authority and tell him to get out in Jesus name. Whatever it is tempting you, it could be very much demonic, not just the flesh. Tell him to get out in Jesus name. Man, use that very often in your life. He empowers us. He'll make you strong. And obviously, in regards to that, he will set you free. Self-control. If you get in temptation. If you have a trouble with alcoholism, don't go into a bar. If you have trouble with eating, don't go to a buffet. Buffet. Don't go to a buffet. If you're doing it, because it's, I want to tell you that I love buffets. 
But I know what I do when I get through that thing. I look at all of it, and what happens? I come with a plate pile. I mean, sky high, okay? But if that's the case, if God convicts you and says, don't go in there, don't go in there. Don't be around people who curse. If you have trouble with language and cursings, then don't be around them. Don't put yourself in the place of people who obviously are negative, who will put you down. Don't be in their presence. Don't be in the presence of people who are immoral. We obviously are witnesses, and God may give you an opportunity to witness, but don't go on a regular basis. That negativity and that complaining will bring you down. And we don't need that. It won't work. Because what happens? We lose self-control because we get tired of it. And we obviously explode. In working with uh, hospice over the years, grief is really very, very uh, strong when it happens and somebody loses a loved one. I don't minimize that. It's really tough. But what happens as we lead up to the time that that person leaves this earth is that people will get angry. They will obviously lash out. Many times family members that are on pretty good terms will come against one another. And all blankety-blank breaks loose. Okay, And I always called it. I said, they would go, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I didn't mean to say that. I lost control of that. I didn't mean to say it. I love my sister. I love my brother. I always called them like this. Is many explosions. M-I-N-I. Many. And you go, what's wrong? Because all of it builds up. All of it builds up. And let me tell you, it doesn't just happen at a time where there's grief involved. It happens at other times in life. It builds up. And here we go. And people say, well, I just need to vent. Now, there's nothing wrong with venting, but vent to God. Okay? <laughs> vent to Him. <laughs> vent to Him. He, he loves He Just bring it to the Lord. Cast all of your cares on Him because He cares for us. Isn't it good that we have a God like this? Meekness. Everybody get it? Humility. You know, when we leave here, I hope that one thing you can remember today, and that is to consider other people more valuable than yourself. And then, obviously, in those relationships are one of the primary ways that God works. We're in relationships. We're in community here. We're family. And so, obviously, to be able to go through life and exhibit these fruits that we know God wants us to do. If you're lacking. Now, let me do this. This is a test. Okay. When you go to the door today and I shake your hand, I'm going to ask you how you did. Okay, I'm going to ask you how you did. Okay, some of you say I did great, Jim. And then underneath you're going, I didn't do so good on this one. I don't have that fruit like I wanted. Okay, but then again, the pastor has obviously a scorecard here. It will go in my office in my permanent records, always to be used against you. Trust, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Put those back up on the, on the screen. Can you? Anybody got it? The fruits of the Spirit? You would, if you can. 
And I want you to look at it just as we close here. I want you to think about it because this is uh, something we need to reflect upon. I'm messing with you anyway about it. Okay. Here we go. Love. The Bible says, love those who persecute you. <laughs> Whoa. Love those who speak harshly about you and criticize you. He said, love those who hate you. Love that. Everybody okay with that. Everybody's got that. And man, we got an A plus there, right? Love everybody. Love everybody. The other one's joy. Everybody here came in here with the joy of the Lord as your strength. Okay. Or something stealing your joy. God named Mike Richards used to say, don't let anything steal your joy. Don't let anything let steal your joy. Okay, everybody's joy. Okay. Peace. Oh, I think there's more on the other one back. Peace. Everybody's at total peace here. Everybody has the peace of the Lord in their heart. Okay, I'm not just talking about vacillating peace. Well, one moment I'm peaceful. The next moment I am in turmoil. Everybody okay with that? You see, this, these things are consistent in life and persistent in the life of a believer and should be worked in there, right? But I know this next one, everybody is patient with everybody. Everybody's patient in the grocery lines. Everybody's patient in traffic out here on 518. If you think you are, then I challenge you this afternoon is to go from 45 to Friendswood and see how patient you are. Now, not just today, but in a busy time of traffic and see how patient you are. Everybody patient about everybody? Everybody, everybody here is so quiet. Nobody's going, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Or, yeah, I got that one, Jim. I got that. All of you just stared at me like a, a deer in the headlights. You know what that means, don't you? Y'all are thinking about it. And you're going, I hope he doesn't call me out. Okay. Kindness. Everybody kind. Everybody's kind, right? Yeah, kind. Okay. <laughs> you always kind? Now, not always kind, but I'm sometimes kind. He's saying persistent. I mean, let your light shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, right? And then goodness. Everybody's good. Good, okay. It's goodness is the Lord's grace working. And then faithfulness. Everybody doing what they have told people they would do and standing on it. Faithfulness. Okay, Next, the next one is going to be, I believe, meekness. Everybody's humble. Gentleness or gentleness. Everybody's humble. Everybody obviously will, when they are insulted, they won't retaliate because of self-control and humility. Or if you say, yeah, I'm doing that pretty good in my family. What about your boss? What about what your boss really offends you? Maybe the boss doesn't treat you like what you think you deserve to be treated, okay? I know because I have personal experience. Or maybe sometimes a family member that you just don't like. You know how many family members I, find, I see nowadays that are separated? And they don't even talk to one another for years and years and years, many times. We should be make a difference. We obviously reflect who Jesus is, okay? Against such things, there's no law. We can't make a law out of it. We are actually saying it's a work of God's Spirit. And it's good. Everybody agree with that. <laughs> Everybody agree with these things, okay? <laughs> uh, I get amen, hallelujah. Everybody awake today, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Thank you all for being here. We thank you all for listening over the last few weeks. We hope you come back to see us. I know God has something in store for you. And I do believe that he's working on your behalf. So don't give up. An old preacher always said, if you don't give up, God will show up. And he will. And he'll show himself, won't he? Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on. Don't give up with the COVID situation. Keep praying. Uh, don't give up in the fact that I know we've maybe even lost loved ones in that, people that you know. And uh, with COVID, different things are happening. We have losses that take place. Don't give up. Keep trusting the Lord. He will come through for you one way or another. I don't know how He does it, but He does it. And He does it very well. And you'll look back and you'll say, hey, God was there all the time. And I'd never realized it. He wants you to know that with all certainty. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Lord. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you for your presence. We praise you, Lord. We know that this is a work of your spirit. Help us to walk in the spirit, Father, because we'll deny the works of the flesh. And we will stand against those powers of darkness that come against us because we have the power through your spirit. Help us to do that today, Lord. Anybody that's watching, anybody here has never given their life to Christ, today would be the day. Do it. Do it. Just surrender. If you just want to renew your faith, just go to him. He loves to do that, to restore you. Whatever it may be, you say, I haven't walked in the spirit like I want to. Just say, Lord, we want to do that. So work that in our hearts by your power and your strength. Our life is in you. Our hope is in you. And our strength is in you, Lord. And we need you. And so, Lord, we ask you this week, people would be aware that you're working, that you're doing great, mighty things. Their eyes of their hearts would be opened. Their ears would be attuned. And dear Lord, that their eyes would be open to see how marvelous and great you are. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We come back to see us next week. We are glad that you have joined us. Amen. Now God's people said amen.